0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, how are you today? My name is Andy and this is UFOs and other paranormal stuff. First off today, thank you very very much for listening to the last episode as for listening to all the other previous episodes as well. It was a big one. It was a celebration episode, that, the 75 years of modern ufology. Look how far we've come. Not very far, but I think that this could be the year, at least this could be the decade of disclosure. Who knows? Uh, I just want to say I have received uh, quite a few emails from uh, from you, and I will respond. I know it's taking me a little bit of time. I've been bogged down, but I will respond. Uh thank you for those emails by the way. Uh just another reminder that if you do want to uh, donate to the uh what, to the UFOs and other paranormal stuff uh podcast, uh please do. It Would be very much appreciated. And you can do that via the link at the bottom of the website. So that's www.ufosandops.com. I've got to apologise, ladies and gentlemen. If you hear a buzzing noise in the background, it is my trusty fan. It has been working overtime this week. uh, Because, as you may have heard in the news, it is very hot. And yes, that is in the news. It's, uh, what's it now, 28 degrees Celsius. We don't normally do 28 degrees Celsius. But apparently it's got to go up to nearly 40 degrees Celsius at the beginning of next week. That is going to be something. So, well i have to try and keep cool somehow. Do you have any plans for summer? The summer holidays are starting at the end of next week, I believe it is. I don't know, maybe you've booked somewhere to go, or maybe you're doing some days out, or what do they call it now, staycationing, staying in the UK and going on holiday somewhere else in the UK, as opposed to going abroad. Uh, if you are looking for some places to go during your time away in the UK... Uh, let me help you out by giving you some ideas of some haunted destinations that have a paranormal connection to them. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, where else to start than London, the capital city of England and of the United Kingdom? You have a plethora of ghostly places to visit here, That, uh, being that they are within the Greater London area, they are well served by bus and London Underground, London Overground, and the Oyster Card or your contactless payment card will make it very easy uh, to pay for you to get around to uh, to get around the city too. From the outskirts to the bustling city centre, London really is a big hot spot for paranormal goings on. Of course, you have the Brompton Cemetery in West London, the home of the alleged time machine. Brompton Cemetery is one of the magnificent magnificent seven cemeteries that also includes West Norwood and Nunhead Cemetery in their number. Why not plan a day out visiting the Magnificent Seven? Another one of the Magnificent Seven cemeteries is the Highgate Cemetery in North London. This is a cemetery that has a feel to it. It seems a little duller in there, but it is a cemetery of course, and and therefore a place of rest for those who have passed, and for those who have not passed yet, maybe. Don't forget when you're visiting there to keep an eye open for the vampire. Strange sightings have been made of a heinous humanoid stalking the area since the times before it was a place for the dearly departed to rest. In the late 1960s and on into the 70s, and even up to more recent times, people say they have been witnessed to and even attacked by the vampire, who is said to live in the cemetery. Right next to Highgate Cemetery you have Hampstead Heath. This picturesque area of North London allows one of the best views of the city uh, from the north. The Heath, too, has had its strange happenings throughout its history as well. It is said by some that it was a haunt of the devilish spring Hill Jack. The Highgate vampire used to pop over occasionally too. Probably have a cup of tea with spring Hill Jack. It also had visitations by the notorious highwayman Dick Turpin, both from before and after his execution. It is also said that even Dracula might have made a visit to the nearby area. If you head out of the heath uh, on the south exit and walk to Church Row, here you will come across the, uh, the graveyard of the parish church of St John. Amongst the crumbling tombs you will see one marked for John Constable, the famous artist. Some huge trees give a shadowy stillness as you walk among the graves. It was here where, reportedly, where uh, Mr Bram Stoker placed the undead body of Lucy Westenra in his book Dracula. The location is certainly eerie enough. London has, of course, got its famous haunted areas and buildings. Tower of London, the Enfield House, Hampton Court, uh, various parts of the River Thames as well. But Transport of London has its hauntings as well. While travelling around the city at night one must always be careful not to get on the wrong bus. If you find yourself needing to get a bus from somewhere between Oxford Circus and East Acton, just make sure that the one that stops to pick you up actually has a driver driving it. Since the 1930s the number 7 bus has had a spooky reputation and a phantom version of that bus is rumoured to haunt West London. Late one night, a motorist driving along Cambridge Gardens suddenly swerved for no apparent reason. His car then crashed into a wall and burst into flames. Many believe that the accident was caused by a driverless bus that appeared on the road at one fifteen am Some people said that the driver of the car died there and then, but others say that he was seen giving some spooky evidence to the police. Apparently, witnesses saw the bus, unlit and without a driver, driving down the road at speed. The same bus has been spotted numerous times, causing drivers to crash their vehicles. Strangely, when it is seen, it is only at the time of one fifteen in the morning. Never any other time. The last sighting of the Phantom bus was in 1990, so is due surely to appear once again soon. No? Of course, the London Underground ghosts could have and should have and maybe will have their own episode, so much of them are there. Not so much above the above ground trains and stations, though. Having said that, Lewisham and St John's stations in the southeast of London are definitely an exception to that rule. If you are ever at one of those stations, you will notice that the flyover between the two is half made up of iron girders and half not. Tragically, on a very foggy 4th of December 1957, a brand new electric train heading to Hayes was stopped at a signal just past the bridge, because the signalman needed to find its identification number from the driver. As the driver telephoned the signalman to let him know the identification number, his train was run into by a late running express boat train to Ramsgate at running at only 30 miles an hour the driver of that steam train had run two warning signals then two red signals in the fog before ramming the electric train the force of the impact and the fact that it happened on the curve forced the coal tender and a number of the steam train's coaches to derail the coal tender hit the bridge's pier causing it to collapse and crush two of the coaches. Moments later, and again because of the fog uh, that was causing terrible visibility, another electric train rose up the gradient to cross over the flyover that had just collapsed. By the grace of God, the driver managed to see that it was no longer there and activate the emergency brakes. The train came to a stop with the leading two wheels hanging off of the track. Passengers waiting at both Lewisham and St John's stations late at night still report hearing and smelling the steam train smoke and hearing the disembodied screams of those killed in the terrible crash in 1957. Of course, there are so many more places in London that you can go to to get your scares. The Clink Prison near London Bridge, Wimbledon Common, the East End of London, Clarkenwell. But if you have the time, why not take the car or the train to a lovely, quintessentially English village 50 miles to the southeast of London? I'm talking about the wonderful village of Pluckley in Kent. Pluckley, with its lovely village church, pubs, village green, is the typical Kentish village. In fact, it's the typical English village. It was even used as a filming location for the popular 1990s wartime TV show, The Darling Buds of May. But Pluckley has another claim to fame. It is also the most haunted village in the entire UK. A nice walk around Pluckley will bring you to the places that are said to be very haunted. First off, St Nicholas Church. A dancing light has been seen in the upper section of one of the windows. This is sometimes accompanied by the sound of knocking coming from or one of the uh, family vaults beneath your feet. A group of psychic researchers spent the night locked in the church with their cameras, tape recorders, thermometers, etc. They all settled down for the night. In the morning, they told the vicar uh, that the night had been uneventful and their boredom had been alleviated by the vicar's dog who had come to visit them from time to time they were surprised when the vicar told them that he didn't have a dog and all the gates were locked closed two years ago i took my niece and nephew to pluckley without telling them either where we were going or anything about the place when we got there yet when we left the churchyard and returned to the car i said that it was it was nice that it was nice and peaceful and that there was no one around you know my niece looked at me and said it was nice but there was someone there uncle was there i asked yes she said she was over there she pointed to the graveyard i hadn't seen anyone neither had my nephew but my niece had apparently seen a white lady this beautiful woman apparently tragically died at a young age and was buried in an airtight lead coffin that in that very graveyard Many of the country pubs and tea rooms in Pluckley have their ghosts as well, and there is even a phantom coach that drives about the area. But the thing that many ghost hunters visit Pluckley for is Daring Wood, also known as Screaming Wood. The junction next door to Screaming Wood is known as Fright Corner, as it is haunted by a spectre of a highwayman who met his grisly end at that point. Screaming wood is an eerie place indeed. I have been there three times, and I have to admit I have not walked for any further into the wood than the car park entrance that's got to change. It is muddy, even on dry days. it is muddy. The trees are thin and skeletal. It is made even more spookier by the knowledge that many lone travellers who have come this way have been scared witless by a sudden loud scream which seems to come from deep in the woods. It sends birds flapping from the trees. Each time I have visited I have heard the screams. It is that that has stopped either me or my companions from going into the woods any further. Keeping with wooded areas, another place that has a super weird feeling about it is Clapham Wood, 66 miles west of Pluckley. Clapham Wood, near a town called Worthing on the south coast, is also a UFO hotspot. It has also been sadly reported that pets become ill or go missing in these woods, and humans suddenly experience inexplicable nausea. Grey mist patches suddenly appear and people have a sensation of being pushed. These strange reports began coming in in the late 1960s and still come in in 2022. Four bodies were found there in June 1972. A police officer went missing in the woods and his body was found six months later after many searches of the woods by police and the public who found nothing. In 1975, a pensioner's body was found by a family searching the woods for their missing horse. In 1978, the reverend from the church that is right next door to Clapham Wood, Reverend Harry Neil Snelling, his body was found by a Canadian tourist. Four years ago, when I walked around the woods, I was surprised to see an encampment of large tents in the wood, with wood fencing and tall fence posts at the entrance to the encampment. On all of the tents and all of the uh, fence posts, especially the tall fence posts at the entrance, were displayed many crucifixes. I found that very strange indeed, especially as this encampment has nothing to do with the church, apparently. Moving away from the south now, and up into Suffolk. As I've mentioned many times, Saxmundham is a good place to stay in Suffolk. It is a village, uh, but it has some bed and breakfast uh, that you can stay at, as well as a few good campsites too. I have heard that this area was very busy with the business of witchcraft many years ago, with incidents apparently having occurred in the county villages of Saxmundham, Randlesham and Westleton, to name a few. So why not pop over to Westleton one day and have a nice cup of tea and a cake at the local cafe or tea room? whilst there have a look at the flattened, grassless grave in the St. Peter's Church Cemetery. It is said that the grave is in fact a witch's stone and has spooked even the brave people who wander in there to get a closer look. Built in 1340, the churchyard contains a flattened gravestone known as the witch's stone. Grass has never grown over it. The story goes that if you put a handkerchief over the grate to the right of the priest's door and run around the church anticlockwise seven times using the witch's stone as a starting point without looking back at the grate, the handkerchief will disappear and you will hear Satan's chains rattling from below the church. Another village, not too far from Westleton, is one of the most famous villages in the country. It is made famous worldwide by the forest that is very close by to it. That village is called Rendlesham, and the forest, of course, nearby is called Rendlesham Forest. I think that we all know why that place is famous. It was the site where, over two nights in late 1980, US service personnel witnessed a UFO come down into the forest and take off again some time later. It was also seen shining a beam of light into one of the two RAF bases in the forest. You can check back on previous episodes for more on that encounter. It is also posited that the poem of Beowulf set in Scandinavia might have been written in the village in the 7th century as the Sutton Hoo ship burial nearby shows some close connections with Scandinavia. Another nearby village, called Hollersley, is also apparently a UFO hotspot. Witnesses have reported triangular-shaped craft flying silently overhead, even stopping on some occasions. When drivers get near to it, their cars stop working properly. While you're staying in Suffolk, why not take a little journey, a little drive, down to Essex, the neighbouring county, and to visit the very creepy Bawley Rectory, or what remains of it. Whilst you cannot go inside the area, you can have a little look at the remains of the rectory. See if you can see any of the ghosts that caused utter mayhem there in the last century, before the, the building was destroyed. Apparently, witchcraft went on in the village of Butley, again near to the Rendlesham Forest. This ended in witch trials held in Bury St Edmunds. Other than that, I know nothing about it, I'm afraid. I want to find out more, so if you do know, please do send me an email. Speaking of witchcraft and the trials that followed them, there can be none more famous than the Salem Witch Trials that happened in the United States of America. However, those that took place on a hill in East Lancashire, near a town called Pendle, come pretty close. Pendle Hill is an area shrouded in mystery, attracting visitors from far and wide, and even ghost hunters, particularly on Halloween. During the 17th century in England, there was mounting hysteria surrounding the practice of witchcraft, and if someone was ill or died suddenly, witchcraft was blamed. Twelve women in Pendle were accused of witchcraft and were to become the most famous witches in Britain. Put on trial at Lancaster Gate in 1612 for the murder of up to ten people, ten of the witches were subsequently found guilty. Nine-year-old Janet Device was a key witness for the prosecution. Normally this was not allowed as she was so young, but the king changed the rule for this witchcraft trial. Janet Device gave evidence against her own mother, brother and sister, uh, who were subsequently hanged for witchcraft at Gallows Hill in Lancaster. But nearly 20 years later, Janet Device was listed among the names of 20 people tried in Lancaster again for witchcraft, and even though not sentenced to death, she was kept in prison until her death. As late as 2008, a petition was presented to the Home Secretary in England to attempt to obtain pardons for some of those hanged in the Pendle Hill witch trials. It led to nothing. The area around Pendle Hill is popular with ghost hunters, especially after an episode of Most Haunted was filmed there back in 2004. Most Haunted and fellow podcast presenter Yvette Fielding said it was the scariest episode they have ever made. If you're feeling up to it, Pendle is very close to the Lancashire Witches Walk, a 51-mile-long footpath that takes the hiker to many places in Lancashire that have a witchy past attached to them. It is said that late at night you can still see the ghosts walking about the Pendle Hill and the Pendle Forests many have speculated that these are the ghosts of the witches that were hanged now england has its fair share of strange things and places surely among those it can only be right to place window areas window areas are a specific region where paranormal events cluster far more uh, frequently than chance should dictate imagine a ufo hotspot that might also be a poltergeist hotspot and a time slip hotspot too There may be legends associated to the witchcraft, uh, dragons, monsters, demonic forces and strange light. In North Cheshire, there is a window area surrounding a rocky outcrop called Hellsby Hill. More precisely, the focal point of the window seems to be between Warrington and Runcorn in an area near to Daresbury and Preston Brook. A peaceful-looking spot near the rivers Weaver and Mersey, it has attracted a lot of strange phenomena for centuries now. Poltergeist activity centuries ago was caused apparently by a dragon set loose in the area. Uh, Even in the 20th century, the area had a large amount of strange events occur, including some well-attested cases of vehicle interference. Now, there are usually about 600 cases of vehicle interference that occur worldwide, so the fact that six per year at least happen in this area would seem quite significant. A car driving past Daresbury was suddenly 35 miles north, near Preston, in Lancashire. There was no apparent transition. The car had travelled the distance in a moment. Preston Brook has also been a location of crop circles, but also two alien abduction claims as well. In 1978, four people beside the river Weaver saw little entities coming out of a bell shaped object and attempt to place some cattle into a big cage. This spot was known as Devil's Garden. It is also worthy to note that Daresbury was the home of Reverend Charles Dodgson who, using his pen name, Lewis Carroll, wrote about the timeless and strange tales of Alice's adventures in Wonderland. Being as it is quite close to the city of Liverpool, you might want to visit there one day. Just be careful, though, if you're walking on Bold Street, it has been reported that this street may well be a time-slip hotspot. Some people have reported walking to a bookshop that either is or was, until very recently, on Bold Street. Yet in the blink of an eye, the scene changes to that of working Liverpool in the 1950s. A few years ago, a retired policeman went to meet his wife at the famous bookshop on a, on the street, and all of a sudden he noticed that everything, including the vehicles and the shops, had gone completely back to the 1950s sort of scene. He continued walking over to where the bookshop should have been and went inside, but it was a clothes shop. He saw a young woman standing there with a plastic Miss Selfridge's bag and also noticed that she was out of time too and looking very confused, understandably. The scene changed back to the present and they were in the bookshop. The retired officer spoke to the young woman and she confirmed what he knew had just happened. They had both somehow travelled back and then forward in time. All these places are very interesting, scary and weird places to visit. Then there's Cannock Chase. I asked on various Facebook groups where is the most scariest place in the UK and why and people, and the overwhelming response was the place just north of Birmingham a hilly area of outstanding natural beauty, known as Cannock Chase. Cannock Chase looks like the very opposite of a spooky place when you go and visit by day, with its lovely large green trees, lakes, follies, concerts, buildings and trails, of course. But if you were to follow one of those trails in the evening, or even at night when all the concerts have finished and all the tourists have gone, All the lights switched off, you might encounter some children. If you do, don't talk to them, don't approach them, do not even look at them, just turn around and run away in the opposite direction, for these children might very well be the black-eyed children of Canuck Chase. Reports have even come in of a large black dog likened to a werewolf that apparently stalks the area. Big cats, UFOs and even Bigfoot has been seen by those who wander into this area that even the army stopped using as a training ground during World War I because of seriously strange occurrences happening there. But while you don't exactly want to tangle with a werewolf or a Bigfoot on a bad day, the things that you really do want to stay away from are the black-eyed children of Cannock Chase. For centuries now, people have reported encountering black-eyed children in Cannock Chase, basically children with no eyes, coming to them as if lost. One incident was even reported on ITV News in 2014. Thirty years after this particular girl was last seen, a woman heard screams and came across the wandering, sightless ghost. We instantly started running towards the noise. We couldn't find the child anywhere and so stopped to catch our breath. That's when I turned around and saw the girl stood behind me, no more than ten years old, with her hands over her eyes. It was as if she was waiting for, for a birthday cake, for example. I asked if she was okay and if she had been the one screaming. She put her arms down by her side and opened her eyes. That's when I saw they were completely black no iris no white nothing i jumped back grabbed my daughter when i looked again the child was gone it was so strange said the woman who reported it to the news in october 2014 a mum took a photo of her son and daughter and sure enough you can see the ghostly image of the black-eyed child to the right of the picture my friend deborah has conducted some paranormal investigations in Cannock Chase and has heard some very strange things while in there. Another friend of mine told me that whilst driving through Cannock Chase one dark night, one of the headlamps in her car broke. She told me that she already had a horrible feeling of dread for a few minutes before, starting from the time that she drove into the chase and that feeling seriously intensified after the glass of the headlight broke. By headlight breaking, I don't mean that the bulb blew, I mean the actual glass broke. I asked her if that place felt anything like Clapham Wood, and she replied, You feel so much. It's very uncomfortable, that place. It's nothing like Clapham Wood. I mean, it's really, you know, something is sinister about the place and not right. I can't explain it. It's like nothing else. You feel like things are trying to penetrate your head. A Facebook user called Gale has said, The kind of activity that occurs there fits more closely like with places like the Skinwalker Ranch. I'm not sure about the black-eyed girls. That's more of an urban myth. But sightings of Bigfoot and cryptids have not only been accounted for, but actually reported to the police. Many UAPs are sighted over the area. The longest ley line in the country runs through Cannock Chase. I've had many strange experiences there, some of them which I've managed to document on camera or video. Ultimately, if I had to sum it up, for me, it's the paranormal, supernatural, paranatural version of Jurassic Park, and interestingly, just like the movie, there are times when nothing occurs, then other times when lots of things happen. All at once. Rocks thrown, growls, yellow eyes, wood knocks, black shapes, morphing. Uh, sounds of something large crunching down on the on the ground while your meter goes off but there's nothing there green orbs yellow orbs strange metallic sounds from deep in the forest disabling infrasound and those ladies and gentlemen are the lucky ones there have been a few reports from text messages that have been received uh, by, uh, by family members etc stating that some people who have gone into the chase stragglers Uh, from a hiking group and lone hikers, for example, and have seen more than one black-eyed child, have never been seen again. Now, Some people have said that these could be the ghosts of the three young girls that were sadly murdered in the chase in the 1960s. But that doesn't really fit. One, because people have seen black-eyed little boys as well as girls, and two, because these sightings have been going on for centuries. Even my old geography teacher told me that the Cannock Chase has an aura about it. So if walking with your family, keep an eye on your kids. If not walking with your family in Cannock Chase, quickly catch up to them. Deborah has also told me that the county of Yorkshire up in the north has more reports of werewolves than anything else. She says the Yorkshire coast is very negative indeed. Deborah owns the Being Believed Research and Investigations website at debhatswell.wordpress.com so go and have a look at the reports that she has collected and the investigations that she has undertaken. They're right there at that website. The paranormality and cryptid activity that goes on along the Yorkshire coastline has also been the subject of many books by Paul Sinclair. He has worked with Philip Mantle, Nick Pope, and even Stanton Friedman, with regards to his books on UFOs seen in the area. It is riddled with werewolf sightings and sightings of dogmen, etc. Paul Sinclair has written so many truth-proof books about the area near Bempton Cliffs, Flamborough Head, and Sowerby, where all these sightings happen on a very regular basis. UFOs, and even USOs, have been seen both over and under the North Sea in that same area. Just a few miles up from there you have the Yorkshire Moors National Park, which is full of spooky stories to keep you awake at night. Like that of Bert Marshall. His ghost is said to haunt the railway tracks near Robin Hood's Bay on moonless nights. Unusually, his spirit clasps a pair of dentures, the same ones he stole from a corpse to replace his own teeth. His death is even more gory than that. A poor farmer who was unable to afford a horse, he walked along the railway line every Friday night to his favourite pub, the Windmill Inn. One night, while walking home completely drunk, he fell asleep on the railway tracks. A train sped past and took off his head. When the police arrived, they could not find his head, just his body. Bert's headless ghost has been known to drift around the tracks ever since, making a clacking sound with the dentures to try somehow to find his missing head. From Yorkshire, in England, I want to take you now southwest and across the border into Wales. It seems that Wales is just as active with regards to the paranormal and UFOs as anywhere else in the UK. One of the country's most famous UFO sightings took place in 1977 in the quaint little village of Broadhaven, on the west coast of Pembrokeshire. A class of pupils from a local primary school said they spotted a UFO in a field near their playground. They described seeing a cigar-shaped silver craft with a dome covering the middle third they said that it had a, they had a strange desire to run away from it. The children were separated and asked to draw what they saw. Oddly, they all drew the same shape. A couple of months later, a hotel owner in the nearby Little Haven described seeing an object which looked like an upside-down saucer and two faceless humanoid creatures with pointy heads. The hotel owner visited the field uh, that they landed in, apparently, and said there were two inches of burned ground. That first incident sounds remarkably like the Westall and the Ariel School UFO sightings, doesn't it? I think so. Of course, Wales is famous for another UFO incident, the incident that happened in the Berwyn Mountains, as mentioned in the government cover-ups episode on Rudlow Manor earlier in this podcast series. Wales has some terrifying tales as well. For centuries, the people of Pembrokeshire have feared bumping into a huge black beast with red eyes, known as Hwych du Gylta. Sorry, Welsh is not my forte. It is reported that it seizes souls to carry off to the underworld. Hwych du Gylta translates as tailless black sow and it is said that if you run into it, there's no escaping its clutches. It is thought to haunt the banks of the stream near Narberth and near Bloomst- near Bluestone in Wales. It terrified local people to the extent that after dark, no one would cross the bridge that crossed the stream. A brave local man, full of alcohol, after an evening session at the local tavern, decided to ride his horse, full pelt across the bridge in defiance of this story he kept his eyes closed so as to be certain of not seeing the beast eyes closed and head down his horse galloped towards the crossing the horse missed the bridge completely and fell into the water throwing the man into the water as well upon surfacing he saw the beast on the opposite bank looking straight at him terrified he fled on foot Back to the safety of the tavern, his screamed waking people in all the houses that he passed, it took him many, many months to recover from the shock, and never again did he venture out of his house at night-time. From the haunted Miskin Manor Hotel near Cardiff to Devil's Bridge in Aberystwyth, the Castel Ibea in Llangfjär Hangel i Penent, to Powys Castle in Welshpool, Wales has everything that a ghost hunter and a UFO hunter could want on a day or a night out. Now, up to the north of the island and into Scotland. Scotland, with its many castles, locks, bothies, crofting houses and old droving roads that take you into the majestic highlands, is possibly one of the most haunted countries in the whole of Europe, maybe even the world. I fully recommend visiting Scotland if you can. It is something else indeed up there. I have been lucky enough to have had some good holidays up there as well as the odd day trip here and there too, and the country never disappoints. Of course, the historic capital of Scotland, Edinburgh, is full of ghosts. Take the West Bow House of Horrors in Edinburgh's old town, for starters. Thomas Weir lived as an affluent and well-respected member of the community. He was devoted to Scotland and was a high-ranking member of the army. He also had a strong belief in the Presbyterian Church and would often have prayer sessions at his house. This attracted a lot of people wanting to see this master public speaker at work. Later in life, Weir began to act strangely. The whole city was in shock when in in 1670 he confessed to a secret life, a life of sin and evil. Thomas Weir confessed to some terrible acts, including that of witchcraft, which in those days was about as bad as it could get. His sister also admitted to the same crimes, and claimed that her brother had once travelled on a phantom coach driven by a demonic driver, Such was his relationship with Satan. She also stated that her brother had derived his terrible powers from the cane that he carried with him everywhere. Some even said that this cane would dance in front of him as he walked down the street. He continued to confess his life of sin and a short trial ended with Weir being sentenced to death. His house, West Bow, lay empty for many years, after the things he confessed, no one wanted to live there at all. It became known as the most haunted house in Edinburgh during the 1700s. An elderly couple bought it at the end of the 1800s, but only stayed there one night as demonic apparitions drove them out after just the one night. For many years it was thought that Weir's house was demolished, so as to get rid of the awful stigma surrounding it but it was later found that the house was never destroyed, it was incorporated into another building, now known as the Quaker Meeting House. This would explain why so much of the paranormal activity associated with Weir's house now occurs in the Meeting House too. As well as other things, staff often see Weir moving through the old house. Now, if you are staying in the Highlands, a visit to Glencoe, is a must. Sadly, Scotland's history is full of war, trouble and bloodshed, usually with the English south of the border, and Glencoe was the scene of one of the worst incidents to have happened in those awful times. Glencoe is an absolutely beautiful part of Scotland, I have been there, I have been through it by train, by car and on foot. Whichever mode of transport is taken, it has shown that every bit of Glencoe is stunning. But all was not well back in 1692. Maclean of Glencoe delayed signing an oath of allegiance to King William III. Difficulty travelling and the absence of a sheriff meant that the oath was signed five days late. Maclean returned to Glencoe believing that his signature was accepted, but it was decided that he should be punished. One of Clan Campbell of Glen Lyon took a group of 128 soldiers and stayed with the MacDonalds in Glencoe for 12 days. Enjoying the hospitality, the company, then the banter with the Clan MacDonald, on the 12th day, the soldiers turned on their hosts, killing 38 of them, whilst some tried to escape into the Winter Highland Mountains and froze to death. On dark, cold nights in Glencoe, those walking to the nearby hotel or along the West Highland Way can still hear the screams of those massacred by the very people who drank and ate with them only hours before. Some walking near what is now the Blackwater Reservoir say they see the ghosts of those who tried to escape from the massacre. Heading northeast across the highlands, you reach a place called Culloden. The Moor nearby is one of the spookiest places in the whole of the British Isles. Culloden Moor. On the 16th of April 1746 saw one of the bloodiest battles between the government forces and those allied to the Bonnie Prince, Charles Edward Stuart, one of the Stuart claimants to the British uh, British throne. The battle was basically a massacre in which many Scottish clans fought together for the Bonnie Prince's cause – and died. The Jacobites were outmanned by almost two to one. They took the lives of fifty of the British government's forces. The moor, usually a dull green in colour, was now red with the blood of over two thousand Scottish fighters. The Jacobite rebellion collapsed. The lingering bloodshed and the pain felt on that day by so many are evident even today. It can be the nicest, brightest of days, but up on the battlefield, where the clan stones rest, the feeling is a bit more sombre and dull. Some nights the battle is replayed to startled onlookers who think that it is a reenactment. is not. There has been many reports of the Jacobite ghosts trying to win, in vain, against their long-dead foes. Culloden is not too far from the city of Inverness and Loch Ness with its legendary monster who may still swim in its waters. On the bank of the Loch, you will see a house now being restored after a fire in 2015, then another in 2019. This is Burleskin House. The house has had some famous owners. Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page owned the house from 1970 to 1992. Kenneth Anger, an experimental filmmaker, owned it before Page, Anger had an interest in the occult and had to have this house. Before him, actor George Raft owned it, but he was soon involved in scandals regarding him selling shares for a pig farm on the grounds of the house. The farm did not exist. But it was the man who owned it before him that might be of interest. That man was known as the most wicked man to have ever lived. Alistair Crowley. That's right, Alistair Crowley, named in 1923 by John Bull as the wickedest man in the world, was also voted 73rd Greatest Britain in 2002. One into the other, I suppose. Uh, Some of the things that he got up to while he lived in Italy even made Benito Mussolini's fascist government deport him. Crowley was against mainstream religions, even to the point of creating his own religion, the religion of Thelema. He thought himself to be a prophet, entrusted with guiding people into the Aeon of Horus. He was a drug abuser, bisexual, and so of course the religions didn't like him either. He also dabbled in the occult. He would write occult literature and became a member of the occult society known as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. But Crowley also believed that he had been contacted by aliens. In fact, he drew a picture of the alien that had apparently contacted him. Uh, that alien was called Lamb, L-A-M. Lamb looks remarkably like what we would now term as a grey alien. Large head, wide eyes, etc. Crowley also believed that he was being contacted by and in fact had past life memories of Ji Xuan, Pope Alexander, Alessandro Cagliostro and Eliphas Levi, people who had died a very long time before Crowley had even been born. Crowley bought Beliskin House as he believed it to be an ideal location to sequester himself to perform a series of operations known as the Sacred Magic of Abramelin the Mage. The house was ideal, being in a quiet spot, so that the spirits could congregate, apparently. While Crowley was preparing for this event, apparently it took a few months, he was called to Paris by the leader of the Golden Dawn. However, he never banished the demons that he had already summoned. This led to strange things happening in and around Beleskin House. Poltergeist activity began and people would hear banging and crashing all night long, and strange occurrences have been known to take place ever since. For example, the two fires that the House suffered in 2015 and 2019, the authorities still do not have any clue as to how they started so there we go ladies and gentlemen i hope that i've given you some ideas for places to visit while you are off on your holidays in the uk this episode marks the end of season two of ufos another paranormal podcast i'm going to take a little bit of time off uh, to concentrate on getting the, the website up to speed you know getting that going uh collecting more stories you know If you have any ideas, any guests, anyone you want want me to speak with, uh, interview on the podcast, please do send me some emails. The contact form is on the bottom of the website, as I've said before, www.ufosandops.com. Go to the contact form, fill that in, whoever you want me to chat to or do whatever. Any ideas for the podcast, any ideas for the website, anything everything would be much appreciated. It has been a pleasure to bring you this season two of uh, UFOs and other paranormal stuff, and I look forward to bringing you season three. Take care, and I will speak to you again in a few months' time. Bye-bye.